If you travel, you know how to really go off the grid. Like no cell service in your room, off the grid. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths, sound baths, and ice baths. Because when you set up your out-of-office, you mean it. Because when you're the escape artist, vacation is all about resting, meditating, drinking water, and minding your own businessing. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know. Take me to the king. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. As always, I'm happy you're here, and I hope that we all find a moment of solace and peace as we share this morning, as we learn from one another this morning, and as we uh, congregate in a safe space that's always filled with love, with compassion, and with a mutual desire to heal, first and foremost ourselves, and then also our families and our children. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And this morning, I want to add an additional prayer that a dear friend sent to me. And it says, peaceful morning, set your hope firmly on the God of all hope. Don't fix your eyes on outcomes, fix your eyes on God. Don't expect a new year to fix an old year. Count on your heavenly father to be faithful to his promises. Resolutely fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who started and will finish your story. Expect to be challenged, count on twists and turns, but never ever lose your confidence in God. You are tethered to him and he is fully committed to you. A new level of faith will rise up, hear God's voice, love his word and thoroughly enjoy his presence. Your private walk with God is so rich, so real and so powerful that whenever you encounter others, they suddenly hunger to know God for themselves. Every day calls for powerful prayers and fierce faith. You are an overcomer. Place your trust and faith in him. God has provided you with all the spiritual blessings needed to make it through the difficult parts of the race of life. Keep your eyes on him, the champion who initiates and perfects your faith. I am so honored and delighted to uh, welcome Spirit, who is a wonderful friend and incredible, incredible educator and leader 
in this relationship space, in the psychotherapy space. Um, she and her incredible organization are really changing the way we think about love, life, relationships, and everything in between. For more than 15 years, this licensed psychotherapist, media personality, wife, and devoted mother of seven, yes, seven children, ranging in age from two to 24, has delivered the answers to some of life's most challenging questions. She has an incredible down-to-earth approach and she promotes empathy and understanding while eliminating the stigma commonly associated with our challenging issues. She's a national board certified counselor, a licensed professional counselor, a certified forensic mental health evaluator, certified parenting coordinator, ordained marriage efficient and child sex abuse prevention facilitator, and I could go on and on and on and on. She is incredible. She holds a bunch of degrees. And most importantly, she's a dear friend and incredible, um, incredible ally in this mental wellness space. She is the owner and clinical director of the group practice T2S Enterprises based in Atlanta, Georgia, where she works with couples, men and women, adolescents, youth and families as a therapist, researcher, motivational speaker, and more. She has been recently seen and is currently on OWN, uh, the Oprah Winfrey Network, for their brand new unscripted series called Love Goals. And she has been recently featured on shows such as Dr. Phil, T.I. and Tiny, Divorce Court, Sister Circle Live, and more. And again, most importantly, she's genuine. She's down to earth. We met when she was in D.C. about a year ago. Um, she was testifying with Taraji P. Henson on Capitol Hill about removing the stigma around mental illness and mental wellness. And so with that, I am going to turn it over to Spirit. I'm so grateful that you're here with us. Thank you so much Spirit, for being here. And I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, I thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I was laughing to myself. I said the hardest part in all of this is usually just kind of sitting through the accolades and sitting through the resume, because at the end of the day, I never do it for any of those things. As I, and as I love to tell people, all of those things that you mentioned have just allowed me to come to this moment. And so I am just so honored and so thrilled to be able to speak to you all in this moment. I always feel like everything has has its perfect divination. And no matter what has led you to this moment, no matter if you have come into 2021 just excited and fired up, or if you are coming into 2021 with your heart broken, with yourself dragging, with you being tired and uncertain about what tomorrow has for you, you are exactly where you are supposed to be in your moment. And so what I really want to talk to everybody today about is how do we we take care of you before you continue to take care of everybody else. And so I honestly have been talking to Kelly about talking to you all <laughs> since she very to first told me about this amazing group all those months ago. And I think, Kelly, honestly, it was closer to two years now as I started to think about it, because it wasn't last summer. It was the summer before that. And so that is telling you exactly, right, how time is flying. And not only that, how long the days seem, but how quickly at the same time they go by. And so I don't know about for you guys, but last year, it seemed like an entire decade was packed into a year. 
whether it was the viral pandemic that we are still crushed under, whether it was the civil unrest, not just in the United States, but in every corner of the world in the wake of murders like George Floyd, like Breonna Taylor, like Elijah McClain. And unfortunately, the list just goes on and on and on. And now as we move into what we know as mental health professionals is yet a third pandemic, a mental health pandemic, that we are by no means ready, willing, or able to deal with, unfortunately. And so today, it's so important to me to talk to you guys, because you guys are not just people, but you are parents as well. And so I love to talk to my parents because one of the things that so many of us have been trained and conditioned to do, not just in watching the parents who raised us, whether they did it the absolute best they can and they got it absolutely right, or whether they did it from the darkest places of themselves and there was so much left to be desired in the wake of our childhoods, many of us have conditioned ourselves to be at the very, very end of the line in how we take care of ourselves in where we place ourselves and in how we show up for ourselves. And so I really want to talk to you guys today about the importance of mental health and wellness, not from the perspective of illness and not from the perspective so much of uh, reacting to your mental health and wellness, but from a preventative perspective. I want to get you thinking about your mental health and wellness as it pertains to your entire body, because unfortunately, we talk about it from a place of disconnect, and we talk about mental health separately from physical health without really realizing how not only are they all connected, but how it is impacted or impacting every aspect of your life. And it's not just based upon what you're experiencing right now, but what has happened even before you pass through the womb. And so today, I want to spend some time first talking to you, but more importantly, I want to talk with you because I am not the expert in your life. You are, and you know better than anybody what it is that you need in order to move your life into the places that you are praying for, that you are fighting for, that you are pushing for, and that you are hoping for. So I want you guys to take advantage of the opportunity to really talk to me today. I know that some of you, this will be uh, one of those uncomfortable conversations because perhaps you're not used to talking out loud about some of the things that you're thinking or feeling or experiencing. And for other people, these may be things that you say, I'm not sure I want to talk to other people or in the presence of other people about it. But I want you to be courageous today so that you get what it is that you need before you leave this call. And if for any reason you find that you wish that you could say something, but you know that you just can't, you wish that you would have said something, but you didn't think of it while we're on this call, or you know that someone else needs something, but you're just not sure how to phrase it today, I want you to know that I'm not just here for you in this moment but that I am always, always accessible. As I preface all of that, what I want you to understand and what I entitled today's conversation about was that relationship begins with self. And what I mean by that is that everything that we do in our life is a form of relationship. We have relationships with our partners. We have relationships with our children. We have relationships with our 
spirituality, with our finances, with our coworkers, with our weight, with our food, you name it, everything that we have is a relationship. And oftentimes, the part that we are in control of is the quality of the relationship. The hard part, though, is often having the quality of those relationships look the way that we wish that they would, especially when we're dealing with people or especially when we're dealing with situations that we don't realize that we are actually the drivers in those relationships. We often think that life is something that is happening to us, that we're responding to it, and we're doing just the best that we can to get by. But what I want you to understand is that everything that you think and everything that you feel is driving the way that you show up in your life. And I want to say that again. Everything that you think and everything that you feel is driving the way that you show up in your life. It is even driving the quality of the relationships that you have in your life. And that is because every relationship that we have is a choice. Now, granted, we may not have chosen these relationships to come into our lives. And what I mean by that is we didn't necessarily choose the children that we were going to get, but we made the choice that led us to having the children that we ultimately got. And so in everything that we're doing, if we can understand that we behaved our way into a place it can also empower us to behave our way to the place that we now want to get to. And what is the difference between driving our relationships and being passive participants in our relationships is that we often don't chart a destination. We are literally showing up in our lives every day, doing the best that we can, trying to keep it moving, knowing what it is that we want but not actually plotting the course to get there step by step. And so in this day and age where technology is everything and it's leading the way, I love to use that as the example to explain to people. You know, most of us don't get in a car without knowing exactly where it is that we want to go. And if we don't know how to get to where it is that we want to go, then what do we do? We pick up a piece of technology, we plug in our end destination, hit the button, and then it tells us step by step exactly how to get to where we're trying to go. And so what I would tell you is that your relationships are very much the same. If you don't have an end destination for where it is you're trying to go in these relationships, meaning what you want them to look like, what you want them to feel like, where do you want them to lead you in your life? If you don't have that destination charted, then you may be wandering aimlessly in these relationships. But here's the interesting thing. There is an unspoken expectation oftentimes for what we want our relationships to look like. Our relationships with our children, our relationships with our friends, our relationships with our siblings and our parents and our coworkers and our colleagues and our money and our bodies and our lives. We know what we want them to look like, but we just can't seem to manifest it. And sometimes we're able to do it for just a second and we see our wildest dreams coming true. The relationships are beginning to look exactly like what we want them to. And we go, yes, this is it. Amen. This is it. 
And then as quickly as we saw it headed in the right direction, it seems to fall off the track. And the one thing that we don't see in there is our intentionality. We don't do what needs to happen in order to drive things forward. And so instead, we often get lucky in moments, in glimpses, in glimmers in our lives. Instead of consistently moving and channeling and driving our relationships in the directions that we want them to go. Because I want you to understand that if you are seeing success some of the time in your relationships, but you are not having the success that you want, then I challenge you to ask yourself, are you in the driver's seat being intentional in the way that you're showing up in those relationships? Or are you statistically just getting the result you want some of the time because you're sitting in those places long enough that statistically you should be seeing what you want? It's a very interesting thing, the way that our mental health works. And so what I want you to know as we talk about, you heard me say, everything that you think and everything that you feel is driving the experiences that you're having. I want you to understand that there are literally three parts to yourself. There are your feelings, and your feelings are the alarm system to the needs that your body has. And what I mean by that is, for example, when you're cold, that's a feeling. When you're thirsty, that's a feeling. When you're lonely, that's a feeling, right? And so we also have thoughts that go along with those feelings. And all thoughts are, are the strategies that your brain comes up with in order to figure out how to get those needs met. If I'm cold, I could go down the hall and get a blanket. I could go and turn the thermostat down. I could cuddle up with someone if they're next to me, right? I come up with the ideas for how I'm going to meet the need, which is the need for warmth to satisfy the cold that I'm feeling. If I'm thirsty, I could go into the refrigerator if there's something and grab something to drink, or I could put on a pot of coffee, or I could go down the street to my local tea shop and go grab something. Those are the strategies that my brain comes up with in order to meet the need of thirst, which means that I'm dehydrated. And finally, those thoughts lead you to a choice which is the behavior that you engage in in order to satisfy the strategy that you came up with to get your needs met from the feelings or the alarm system that your body told you was in need. And so one thing that is unfortunately so, so critical, especially with parents, especially in communities of color, especially in places and spaces where we have learned to put ourselves last. The problem is that many of us are disconnected from our feelings. We have been taught in our lives that we do not have time for feelings because feelings often are told, we're told, don't matter. Feelings are luxuries that if for many of us, we were actually connected to our true feelings, then 
it will cause us to reflect on every other aspect of our lives. And so instead of dealing with what we're actually feeling, oftentimes our anxiety, our exhaustion, our frustration, our anger, our insecurity, our trauma, our abandonment, our rejection, our whole lives leading us up to the moment, we take all of the feelings that we have experienced over the course of our lifetime and we figure out creative ways not to deal with them. We stuff them down, we push them away, we pack them out, we suppress them, we justify them, we rationalize the experiences that we've had to try to make sense of them, and more importantly, we just figure out ways to just keep it moving. We are moving at a thousand miles per second, oftentimes emotionally disconnected, numb, dead on our feet and in autopilot, just trying to get to a destination with no sense of connection to how we feel, to the strategies that we need to drive the quality of the experiences that we're having. And that's why so often, even when we find that we achieve the goals that we set for ourselves, whether it's academic goals, whether it's career goals, whether it's family goals, what we find when we finally get to that moment, after all of the blood, sweat, tears, and years that we've poured into those situations, they still feel lackluster. They often feel muted. We often find ourselves watching everybody around us celebrating. And inside, we're thinking to ourselves, hmm, I thought this was going to feel different when I got here. And in this moment, yeah, I mean, I'm happy. I'm tired. I'm relieved that it's finally over, but it doesn't really feel like I wanted it to feel. And the reason for that is that because we're so disconnected from our feelings and because we haven't done the healing work necessary to really be able to show up in our feelings, most of the feelings that we have are muted. We're disconnected. And so the experiences become lackluster at best because the range of emotions that we've numbed so we don't have to deal with ourselves become super, super overwhelming. The divide to reconnect and to find ourselves again is something that we're just having a hard time doing. And so what I want to tell you today is that if you are a person who the things that I am talking about are resonating with you. They are finding their way to your heart. I want you to stop and ask yourself, not about the quality of relationship with the people that you love, not about the quality of the relationship with your food or your finances or your spiritual growth or any other part of the journey that you're on. But I want you to stop and ask yourself, how are you doing with the relationship with you? When is the last time that you've checked in with you and said, hey, girl, how are we doing? Or, hey, man, are we good in there? How are you feeling in your body? Understanding that okay is not a feeling. Good is not a feeling. 
fine is not a feeling. How are you feeling in your body? Are you exhausted? Are you anxious? Are you frustrated? Are you overjoyed? Are you content? Are you a mixture of so many things? Are you overwhelmed? And if you find that the feelings are difficult to touch, what might your body's alarm system be telling you about you? And I want you to understand, you heard me say very early in that our bodies and our minds are connected. And the reason for that is because your brain is simply an organ in your body, just like any other organ, like your heart, like your lungs, like your eyes, like your skin, and it requires its own care. And often we're afraid to talk about the care of our brains because what we think that it means. And so we don't talk about mental health because we don't want to think that the very part of us that is controlling and driving who we are could somehow ever become ill, could somehow ever become in need of care. And if you really stop and think about that, that's really an incredible idea that we should have a different concern about the way that our brain functions but not a concern like let's make it a priority because I spend thousands of dollars a year on skin care in order to make sure that my skin, any issue that it has, I address. If my lungs uh, have a, a problem, if they become unwell, if I get pneumonia or if I have asthma, I have no problems going to the doctor to get an inhaler, right? But when it comes to my brain function, the part of my body that controls my hormonal regulation, that can shoot so much stress hormone into my bloodstream that I can find myself dealing with issues like anxiety or depression or insomnia or irritability or fatigue or all of these physical symptoms that I don't recognize originate in my brain, then we don't know the importance and we don't realize the importance of dealing with our mental health. And so I want you to understand that so many of us are walking around ill, not well in our brains, and we don't realize it, and we don't treat it in the same way that we treat the rest of our body being ill. You know, if you got a tickle in your throat or your nose was running or you felt a dry cough coming on, you wouldn't, without hesitation, think about going down to your local pharmacy, grabbing you some great juice, grabbing you some great meds, and hopping into bed for a day or two in order to take care of yourself. And if after a couple of days it still didn't resolve, you wouldn't hesitate to call a doctor in order to get those symptoms treated. But if you believed that that was somehow connected to your emotions, which are being driven by your brain, you found yourself depressed. You found your, your emotions all over the place in ways that you can't explain where some days you feel higher than normal, just at the top of the world and you can't stop the battery that's moving in your brain. You can't stop your thoughts from racing. And then days or hours later, you find yourself unable to get out of the bed. You wouldn't necessarily go to the doctor for that because you would be afraid of the stigma or that something is wrong with you and you wouldn't want to address those unfortunate issues, even though 
they're much like the other parts of your body. It is simply your brain's hormonal system that needs care. And here's the really interesting thing. I want to just kind of give you this preface and then I kind of want to open it up to conversation because I don't want to keep you guys too long today. I could talk all day about this. As you can see, I'm passionate about this. But I really want you to understand that the relationship that you have been having with your body goes all the way back to even before you came into this world. The exposure that our mothers had to the environment, to the world around us, not only impacted us, but also have impacted our children. And that is because many of the things that we take in, whether it is stress in our environment or whether it is toxins from the world around us, pollution, pollution in the air, pollution in the water, et cetera, et cetera. Those pollutants that we take into our bodies have the ability to impact literally the eggs that our fetuses carry when we're having daughters and we're birthing children. The same toxins that we're exposed to, those toxins, their reproductive organs are sensitive to those toxins. And so our daughters will experience the very same toxin that the mothers do which means that when they come into the world, not only are their bodies affected, but so too are their minds affected already before they come into the world by the things that we have been exposed to. And so that means not just them as the next generation will be dealing with the same traumas and experiences that we're dealing with, but so too will their children. And so I want you to understand that intergenerational trauma is real that mental health and wellness is a legacy that we leave to those who come after us, but also one that we've been given by those who have come before us. And what is critical for us to understand as parents also, but as individuals, is that 50% of all mental illness develops before an individual is 14 years of age. I want to say that again, 50% of all mental illness develops before an individual is 14 years of age, and 75% of all mental illness develops before an individual is 24 years of age, which means that most of us have experienced things that may have caused us to be ill and unwell in our brains at a very young age. And unfortunately, it's at least 10 years from the development of symptoms before we see people in our office getting care for their mental health and wellness because they don't even realize that anything is wrong. It happened so long ago that people actually think that this is their personality. Oftentimes, children are even told and adults are even told that this is their personality. You've always been a sad child. You've always been highly emotional. You've always been all over the place. But those are the behaviors that people are exhibiting based upon their functioning in their thoughts and their feelings, which are impacted by the experiences that they have had in their childhood. And so I want you to know that the body always keeps the score. 
it records every last experience that we have ever had, even the ones that we don't realize or remember consciously that we've had. And if you don't believe me, I love to tell people, go and Google the number one song when you were four years old. It may have been decades since you've heard it, but the moment that you press play on that song, all of a sudden you'll find yourself singing along and the words will come back to you like nobody's business. And you'll say, how on earth do I remember this? The body keeps the score and remembers every experience that you've had. And the recorder for those experiences is your brain. And the quality and the way that your brain is functioning is your mental health. And so what I would say to you in closing is if you've never given yourself the gift of great mental health care in the same way that you look for great physical health care, then I want you to consider in 2021 adding a great mental health professional to your team because your mental health is literally everything. And how your brain is functioning controls everything that you experience. It connects you to your feelings. It helps you make your and assign your thoughts. And it helps to drive your behavior. And so if you don't have that great mental health professional on your team, I want you to consider as you are navigating through this world, trying to deal with every relationship that you have in your life, how can you clearly chart your destination if you're not clearly connected to what your body needs and how your body needs to strategize those coordinates to drive your life in the direction that you want it to go? Your mental health professional is your coach, is your confidant, is your clarity, is your partner, is the one place where everything is 100% about you. In absolute privacy, in absolute confidentiality, and in absolute order for you about making your life look the way that you want it to look, helping you identify what those coordinates need to be, plugging those coordinates in, and helping and walking with you along the journey so that you can drive your life in the direction that you want it to go. And so I would submit to you today, parents, that as you go out into the world and continue to take care of everybody else, I want you to understand that they are impacted by how you're showing up in the world. And the question is, how are you showing up in first your relationship with yourself? You cannot pour from an empty cup and everything that you do is impacted or impacted by what's happening in your mind. Are you giving yourself what you need to have the clarity and wellness in your mind? so that you can have your cup runneth over. I thank you guys so much for listening. I will end it there because I could, like I said, go on and on. But thank you so much for allowing me to address you today. And any and every question that you have, I am here for it. Thank you, Kelly. So incredible spirit. I, uh, 
as you were talking about, you know, how do you feel? Everything you were saying was like, that. that is me, you know, dead on my feet, mm. on autopilot, you know, mm-hmm. exhausted, frustrated, anxious, and then uh, yeah. you know, keeping the feelings at bay and then driving myself to work, you know, overwork, overwork, I think, to mm-hmm. feeling. Mm-hmm. So that really spoke to me. And, uh, and I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I also thought it was quite telling when you said Google the top song when you were four years old. And for, for me, it was, ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, child, things mm. are going to get brighter. And that's so deep. And it talked a lot about sunshine, mm-hmm. rays of the sun. And that's when I think about that song, you know, it's uh, very positive. And ironically, when you said, uh, you know, what was that song when you were four? That was one of those yeah. songs from that year. So I'm going to pause there because I know a lot of people probably want to comment or ask a question, but I just want to say thank you. I'm grateful for the conversation and for the, the insight. My pleasure. My pleasure. And if anybody wants to share or comment or ask a question. Good morning. Good morning, Spirit. Good morning, Kelly. And I want to thank you for that amazing um, amazing chat that you had with us. I mean, it was incredibly powerful. I want to ask you about the power of saying no to mm-hmm. things that you actually said yes to, because mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even necessarily say I am a people pleaser. In fact, I think a lot of people would, that know me would say I pretty much stand my ground. But there's always a feeling like I just, I came out of a relationship this year that was 16 years and the last five years of it was just feeling we were just existing. Um, And then I lost my mother in early February. Um, She was 91. She had a, a major stroke. But the last three years I've spent being one of her caregivers, although she was in a nursing home, she was very unhappy being there. And so I feel like when coronavirus happened, it was not so much of us having to be stuck, but I felt like I needed to be still. And so I've taken this time with during, you know, the lockdown to kind of try to heal from all of that and find Mm -hmm. myself. But then also, though, it's I'm still being presented with people feeling like, well, okay, so you're freed up now. Let's like, you know, there's someone that's pursuing me for a relationship. And he's like, well, the, is this is time. It's time now. But I just kind of feel like, like Mary J said, you know, how can you love somebody else until you love yourself? And so mm-hmm. how long, I, I, I don't know if I'm asking how long that will take. <laughs> I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. asking like, you know, but saying no, but then also being assured that I'm not retreating, but I'm more so knowing my body and my mind that I'm still healing and it's just mm-hmm. not time for me to, to do things that other people want me to do yet. That That's sense? so good. Yes, absolutely. And Susan, let me say to you, God bless you, especially as you go through just the transition and the grieving of your mom three years, I'm sure still feels like yesterday. So You know, God bless you for just trying to just process that. And so what I would want to offer to you is that one, no is a complete sentence and you don't need anybody's permission, their agreement or their understanding in order for you to do what you know feels right for you. But I also in wanting you to continue to say no until you feel like you are ready to say yes in those relationships to make sure that you're saying yes to you in the right way. 
because I heard you say that you are working on healing. And I want to just remind you and everybody else that's on the call, I'm just kind of using you for an example here, is that it is not time that heals all wounds, but what we do with the time that we have. And so as you go through this process of healing, I want you to understand that some things are therapeutic and then therapy can be the ultimate game changer in your process. And so if you have not enlisted a great therapist in this journey, I would strongly encourage you to do that. Because oftentimes people suffer unnecessarily trying to help themselves get well by doing what they know to be because society has told us or we're hearing it constantly in the, in the news or in the media. They've told us all of the things that are therapeutic, but they fall short of actually then getting with a professional in order to engage in the ultimate form of therapeutics, which is therapy. So they may say, eat right, sleep more, change your diet, exercise, do all of these things. And yes, they all have great impact on that brain functioning. But at the end of the day, you still have to process those feelings. You still have to go through the emotional aspects of what it is that you're carrying. Because if you don't, then it still sits in your body. So when you heard me say that the body keeps the score, everything that we have happened to us in our life is experienced and processed in our body as stress. Some of that is good stress. So for example, if we are getting married or we're having a child that we want to have, or we have a new promotion or a move, those things are really great experiences oftentimes, but they're still really stressful in getting to those moments. Um, then we have what's called neutral stress. And neutral stress is kind of like the what it takes for the air to be pushed in and out of your lungs, what it takes for you to walk across a room, things that you don't think about, but it still requires energy and stress on the body. And then we have negative stress like some of the things that you've mentioned, right? Here we are in the middle of a pandemic. You've de dealt with or are dealing with the loss of your mom. You have people who are wanting these demands uh, that are being placed on you. And this is just in a long line of stress that if you have not taken the time to process so that you could push it out of your body, it's still sitting in your body. And what happens when we become overwhelmed, when our mind goes, you know what, this is just too much. I just can't deal with it. I, I can't. I, I'm not. I, it's, I just I push it away. Our brain then has to disconnect us from the emotions so that our mind stays well and we literally don't have a mental breakdown. But it also has to figure out what to do with that stress. And so it looks for places within our body in order to pack it away. And that's why we have the physical issues that we have when the mind becomes overwhelmed by the stress that we won't process. So we have headaches, we have chest pains, we have uh, reproductive issues, we have heart attacks, stroke, high blood pressure, diabetes, all of these health issues that you hear. When we talk about systemic racism and racism being a public health crisis, it's not our melanin that makes us unwell or disproportionately affects us in terms of our health. It is the quality of health care that we get or don't get as a relation to the melanin. 
And so a lot of us are walking around with so much unprocessed trauma and stress that we're holding in our bodies that it is literally poisoning and killing us because we don't look for ways to be able to get enough of that stress and trauma off of us so that we can continue to go on and live our very best life. And so what I would say to you is, if you haven't enlisted a great therapist as part of your health care, not just now, but at any point in the journey, then now might be the best, the absolute best time to be able to do that as part of your healing. Because you can do it right from the comfort of your home, right from the same device that you're calling in from. Uh, Telemental health is something that just about every therapist in the world is offering at this moment, which means that you could do it on a walk. You could do it in your car. You could do it in your bed, wherever you need to, in order to process all of the emotions and all of the experiences that you've been carrying. And to the people who would put those demands on you that would say, I don't understand what you're saying. Of course, you're not doing anything over there. The world is slow. You should say yes. I want you to understand that you teach people how to treat you. And so somewhere in this navigation, you have to continue to decide consistently what you want to teach them about your boundaries and about how you protect yourself, and about how you take care of yourself first. Remembering, again, that you don't need their permission, their understanding, or their agreement to drive your life and that relationship with them in the direction that you want it to go. Thank you for that. And actually, I did uh, recently ask my OBGYN for recommendations for therapists, and she gave me some good names. So I'm going to make that call. Excellent. Yes, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Are there other callers that would like to share or ask a question? Hi, this is Danielle Bukri. Um, I'm a, uh, hey, Kelly. <laughs> I am uh, a contributing clinician to Sunrise Project in Spirit. I just wanted to say thank you so much for uh, for this this morning. It was perfect. I also wanted to uh reiterate the point that you made on the story that we tell ourselves and other people tell us as when we're young and how that sticks. Cause I was literally, as you were talking about, you know, that the narrative that we carry with us, like from the four-year-old, I was sitting here like your biggest cheerleader, like saying, yes, exactly. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember I had a client once that a uh, part of a couple, who said, she kept on saying, you know, because I'm stubborn, because I'm stubborn. And her husband wasn't saying it. It was her who was saying it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, who, who told you that you were stubborn? And she said, I've always been stubborn. And yeah. I said, but who, who told you that you were stubborn? And she, she recalled, and just as a youngster, just remembering everybody would always tell her that she was stubborn. And it kind of, when we processed it, it was really that she didn't feel heard. It yep. wasn't, you know, this, this thing. So, so that, that power, the power of her carrying for decades, this narrative that she was stubborn um, was incredible. Mm-hmm. She was finally able to kind of let it go. And so, you know, I encourage us to think about what it is that we were told that we've always been and to challenge those things. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love to tell people that your relationships are simply a reflection of where you are at any point in your journey, especially as adults, because we are doing one of two things. We are either healing the trauma of our childhood and the period that came before this relationship, or we are using the current relationship in order to recreate the same experiences that we've already had. And so what the relationships do is they trigger those same feelings. They bring them to the surface over and over and over. And remember, you heard me say that your feelings are your body's alarm system to what it is that you need. So even in that experience, right, she chose a partner who allows her to be triggered over and over this quote unquote stubbornness which is really I have an unhealed wound as it relates to my needing to be heard. So she chooses a partner that triggers that feeling that allows her to fight to have her voice heard over and over and over. But because she didn't have a great therapist until she met you, she had no way of being able to process and give meaning to what she was feeling, how she was thinking, and how she was behaving in the relationship to give it the proper context. But hallelujah, the idea that she had a therapist that could then allow her to heal that wound, to be able to show up in that relationship in a different way. And so I'm talking to people all the time about understanding that when we're triggered, when we find ourselves having the same experiences over and over and over in our relationships, that the only common denominator is us and that those relationships are triggering us. They are indicating the wounds that we are carrying that need to be healed. And just because we think that we've healed, sometimes we've actually not healed at all, or unfortunately, sometimes we've healed in the wrong way. And we need to go in sometimes and have those wounds reopened to be cleaned out the right way, to be treated the right way, to be healed and rehabbed the right way. Much like, again, those physical symptoms, you know, if we break a bone and never get it treated or if we have a cut and we look back and go, man, I really should have got stitches. It was deeper than I thought or it was wider than I thought and I didn't do what I needed to do. And years later, we look and say, Doc, is there anything that you can do for this? Is there any treatment that you can give? It didn't heal properly. What can we do now to fix it and rehab it? Our emotional journey is very, very much the same way. So I appreciate you for sharing. That is a great example, a great example of the power of therapy and and what we are able to do in standing in the gap for our clients, 100%. I love that. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. One more person. Hey, Kelly, can I I have a comment? Yes, Keith, please. Okay. Hi. So, yeah, first of all, that was that was great. Uh, I just wanted to mention something that happened yesterday and, and something about um, your initial uh, uh, sort of sharing made me think of this that and it's, it's very quick, but I just want to mention it. So actually last night happened to watch this movie called Soul. If you guys haven't seen it, watch it. Mm, but, um, I saw it. We have kids. We saw it. <laughs> exactly. But there's there's a one part in there that, that was really interesting. She was telling a story, the guy was telling a story about a fish is swimming, a, a little fish swims up to a really big fish swimming in the ocean and asks for some help. And the, the larger fish says, what are you looking for? He's like, I, I, I just need to find the ocean. It's like, what are you talking about? You're in the ocean. And the little fish mm. said, no, I'm not in the ocean. This is just water. I'm trying to find the ocean. 
So then he just left it there. But the thought of it in terms of how you approach your life is, you know, this fish is searching for something that they already have, but, you know, they're just constantly just pushing forward and not, not dealing with the everyday and everything that's happening around them immediately is sort of what I got out of it. So just wanted to share it because I thought it was interesting. That is so good. That is so good. And that is so true because we are constantly in progress in the lives that we want to be living. And oftentimes we don't realize it, that our lives are in progress. And the reason why we don't recognize that we are in the ocean, so to speak, is because we're so caught up in the moment that we can't see the big picture. And so if that fish were able to somehow come out of the water to see the vastness of where they swam from, what lies before them, and what is all the way around them, then all of a sudden the perspective goes from I'm in water to I am in the ocean, and that not only am I in it, but I have the capacity to do whatever I want to in its vastness. That is the power of therapy yet again. Right. It's us understanding that as long as we have breath in our bodies, we have the ability to shape and drive our lives in any direction that we want it to go. But until we're able to see the big picture, we are only caught up in what's happening right in front of us. And we're missing out on great opportunities to understand the entire depth of everything that exists and is at our fingertips around us. Absolutely. Thank you. So unless there's any one last comment, we will go ahead and close it out. Hello. Yes, please go ahead. Oh. Hi, I just have a quick question. One of the, I guess, concerns that I have, and I hear what you're saying about the power of therapy. And what's interesting, my, I, I encourage my young adult children to go for therapy. But then when I try to go myself, I'm hindered by showing my true self and respecting that that is going to be protected. I'm like, you know, I'm in a sorority and I'll go, oh, what if this woman who is my therapist finds out I'm in a sorority and maybe she has friends in a sorority and maybe she'll tell them stuff that I've told her. And so I find myself holding back on really trivial levels. And I don't know how to get, because I did get a great name of a therapist. And I just said to myself when you guys were talking, okay, Lorraine, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put these fears aside. You're going to trust that this therapist is going to be the person that you need and you're just going to let go. But I just wondered if you could speak to that. I know it sounds trivial, but I mean, it's not just about annoying someone that she knows and she may think something about me. It's not just that. I think it's trust and allowing myself to trust and be open to the healing. Any Mm -hmm. comments about that? Absolutely. And Lorraine, I'm so glad that you brought it up because that is one of the biggest obstacles that most of us have. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. I want you to understand you have every right to have that concern because here you are opening up your entire life to a stranger. And that is a very disempowering feeling in the beginning. And if you have had experiences in your life Because remember, we talk about triggers, right? So if you have had experiences in your life that have taught you, you cannot trust people with your secrets, you cannot trust people with your vulnerability, then that is only going to be exacerbated in a situation where everything is about your life. 
And so what I want you to know is as therapists, we are not just ethically bound, but we are legally bound to be your secret keepers. You have the absolute right, not of just complete privacy, but also of complete confidentiality with your information. And the way that it is supposed to work is that your therapist is not supposed to have any ties at all or connection with you. A great therapist does not talk about your business with anybody. And even if, God forbid, they were to do that, they would discuss that in a way that leaves out any identifying information. So if they were to talk about an experience that they had, say with another therapist in confidence, as therapists go to therapy themselves, they would never disclose the privacy or the confidentiality of their clients. It is simply, it's illegal, it is immoral, and it is unethical, and it's not what we signed up to do or to be. And then the other thing that I would tell you is one of the things that I talk to my clients about literally in the very first session, because I want them to be comfortable. It's important to me that they understand that they are always the drivers of our relationship. And I let them know, especially now with technology, you know, I love to say that that the world is a very small place and technology has made it smaller. And so it is very possible that you may see your therapist somewhere in your outside life a coffee shop, a party, a sorority gathering, like you said, one of those kind of things. And as therapists, we are trained to handle those situations like you, however you decide. And so I will tell my clients all the time that I will follow your lead. If I see you somewhere and you walk by me like you don't know me, I will walk by you like I don't know you, and it will not hurt my feelings at all. And we may have had a session earlier that day or I have one scheduled later on that evening. I have some people who will come up to me and say, hey, yeah, nice to see you again. Our kids go to the same, you know, play on the same sports team. And as Kelly told you, I have seven children, so that usually works. Or they may say, you know, we go to the same church, and I'll say, glory, hallelujah, and we'll keep it moving. Or they may just say, this is my therapist that I've been telling you about. Everybody does it differently. But as therapists, we also respect the spaces of our clients. And so if I see a client in a particular space, shortly thereafter, I make space and I disappear because those are my clients' protected spaces. And I want them to have the space to show up in their lives fully and safely and comfortably. So as their healthcare provider, my job is not to show up and add stress to their life, but it's actually to model appropriate boundaries. And so what you may find is if your trust has been violated in past experiences outside of the therapy setting, Having that healed with a therapist may be one of the most healing experiences that you can have because it is a right place to start to process the trauma around trust, and it's the right place to see it modeled in a really healthy, safe way. So if that's what's been holding you back, I would say absolutely in that very first session, even if you just want to have a consultation with that referral that you got, talk to them up front about what your concerns are around trust and ask them what their plan will be in order to make sure that you feel safe and comfortable the entire time in the process and even once you leave therapy. And a great therapist will be able to have that conversation with you and be sensitive to that with no questions asked. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Love that response and so important. And I know for me personally, having a therapist for probably 25 years has been incredibly helpful. And so many people on this call who have just become a part of my village, you know, in terms of support who are therapists or not. Um, but really, I think that's critically important. So thank you for sharing as well um, to the caller and then thank you spirit and really want to say thank you for being here today and for sharing such incredible nuggets of wisdom um, i know i got a tremendous amount out of today's session and really appreciate you being here i know how busy you are i know it's sunday morning uh, you have a lot of things you could be doing and you chose to spend your time with us this morning and i appreciate that and then i want to turn it over to Kelly Chapman, who will close us out in a prayer. Um, and again, Spirit, thank you so much. And we would love to have you back. My pleasure. Later. My thank pleasure. you. Thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you, everybody. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'll turn it over to Kelly Chapman, who's going to close us out in a prayer. Okay. And thank you, Spirit. I'm definitely inspired. We thank you, Lord, that you are all seeing and all knowing, and that nothing is a surprise to you. We thank you, God, for spirit, who is a light in this world. We thank you that she revealed that many of us made it, but we made it by moving through the year without feeling, by just keeping it moving. Many of us didn't stop to look at ourselves. Many of us didn't take the time to seek wise counsel from an expert. We were so focused on being caregivers and parents that we didn't stop to care for ourselves. Thank you for the revelation, God. Today, we focus on ourselves and we focus our eyes on you, God. Spirit reminded us that everything that we think and everything that we feel drives the way that we show up in our lives. And Lord God, we know and we thank you that you will be with us. We look to you and we are excited for the future as we move forward with power. And so we give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. And thank you, everybody, for being here this morning. Um, we will be back next week. Thank you so much. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps.